0: who likes to be with other people, but definitely likes my alone time. When I'm with other people, I like to be lively and fun and active and engaged. Uh, I like to have a lot of fun, but I like to accomplish things. And why I'm here on Earth? Hmm.
1: I think my siblings needed a baby of the family. Previously
2: in Greater Boston.
1: I'm Dimitri's big sister, Nika. Together, we solve great mysteries. She's been hit by that stuff, the the beans, and they're hot. I don't want to talk about it. Dear Daddy,
3: Bobby said that you and she aren't married anymore. That made me sad, and I cried.
4: Well, okay then.
5: Those kind it in character East voice box, or in? Box, all right malden,
3: malden
0: red dorchester like knocks pants what is this somerville after a new life bright
3: multiple messages roselind and boston
0: dorchester so this, this is
6: brocton <laughs>
4: <Midfield.
0: Massachusetts. laughs>
1: dorchester
6: this is this is this is
1: greater boston
7: this week in greater boston episode 28 exiles and everyone's business
8: Oliver's human-sized escape tube led to an underground bunker he hadn't visited in years, somewhere between Red Line and the Blue Line. Far below the trains and stations, but still connected to the abandoned tunnels branching into both the mobile subterranean city and the MBTA transit system, he spent weeks poking around the crates of stolen goods and artwork, abandoned projects from another life all while drinking coffee and reading the paper, which he'd set to deliver via a timed pneumatic tube. When there was a story on Redline, he diligently clipped it from the paper and burned it with a match, careful not to read a word. One day he glimpsed equipment through the center of the paper, where a freshly clipped hole now was. The cages and water bottles and boxes of food pellets, incubators and bags of straw and grass and... Wait, guinea pigs?
4: Keep moving forward. That's what I need to do. I, I need a new identity. This one is presently tarnished.
8: I'm still on the guinea pig breeding equipment.
4: Now, where is my Rolodex? I'll send a tube to Captain Lamplighter, along with her typical fee. Perhaps a bit extra, given inflation. She owes me a favor, so I'm sure she can expedite the process.
8: He would always be Oliver West in his mind. Of all his names, it was his favorite. Sounded legitimate, important, powerful, and Oliver had done all he could to make his life match the importance of its label. But but now this name wouldn't do, so he would slip it off and choose another, like a fresh pair of well-tailored clothes. There. What? There was only one other person alive who knew about this location. He had dispatched Philip on a dangerous mission shortly after arriving in the bunker. Phil had contacted Oliver using an established go-between, an information courier, and professional handwriting imitator named Willard Maltby. Why does that name sound familiar? Oliver used Maltby to send Phil a cell phone and then left a message on the active device. He needed something someone attended to. He needed Michael taken care of. Huh. Michael. I'm guessing Phil had a deliberate misinterpretation of those words. Taking care of Michael by feeding him rather than disposing of him. That explains the groceries. Good for him. So where was Philip now? He had warned him to keep his distance, both from Oliver and the task he requested. Had he been caught? Had he led the authorities straight to his hideout? That didn't seem likely. As careless as Philip could be, he was also exceedingly loyal, his finest quality. Was he swinging by just to confirm the job was complete? Why take
4: such a risk? Philip, is that you?
6: I'm afraid not, Mr. West. Could I have a minute of your time?
4: There is no Mr. West here, sir. I am afraid you're mistaken.
6: Come now, Mr. West. There's nothing to be afraid of. I have a business proposition for you. I'm guessing you may be interested given the condition of your failed publishing empire and uh, (laughs) criminal activities.
4: Who are you? Where did you get all of these... Extremely slanderous, very unverified, and completely untrue notions
6: concerning myself and my activities. How did you even find me here? My name is Sales. Pleasure to meet you. I represent a private association. Uh, how should I put this? A a business that makes it its business to know your business. My business? What does it want with... My business. Oh, not just your business, Mr. West. Everyone's business. The business of everyone is everyone's business. That's one of hundreds of trademark slogans, so (laughs) make sure you don't repeat it. I'd hate to slap you with a lawsuit after just meeting you. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense, Mr. Sales. Oh, just sales, please. And I suppose you're right... But neither does wasting your time and resources hiding away in a rabbit hole like this. What are you waiting for, Mr. West? Tumble down the rabbit hole and reach your destination. I... I'm not sure what... Let me put my cards on the table, hmm? We intercepted your request for a new identity. We can secure you one right here and now. I have all the documents and details in my briefcase. And all we ask of you is to continue your work with Redline. I, My work. I don't know what you... We're very impressed with how you've been managing Mrs. Bespin's campaign. And we have no doubt with your continued influence, she can secure the position of mayor and make the city reach its full financial potential. Redline could be very valuable to us, Mr. West. All we need is an agreeable partner in a position of power. If you continue your work, I'm sure you can secure us that, no? No? What's the name of your private association again?
4: We have many names. Give me one, then.
6: Perhaps,
4: when the time comes. How am I supposed to take you seriously if
6: you can't even offer any proof of your validity on the market? (laughs) Well, you're not really in a position to request any validity, are you, Mr. West? But that can change. We'll work towards obscuring and eventually annulling your relationship with your former media company. We'll inform the city of the large, derelict real estate space. They'll eventually seize it and resell it at a short sale. We'll purchase it over and over again using different enterprises within our association to give the appearance of turnover. Then we'll lower the price to such a degree that someone else will purchase it for the downright steal it will be, its illegitimate reputation now buried under a pile of legitimate transactions. Meanwhile, you'll continue your work with Mrs. Bespin. You'll secure Red Line for us, for all of us. And once you do, we maximize the profits of the city. But how would I even begin to do that?
4: With my reputation in my current state, I can't possibly exercise control over Emily, even with this fancy brand new identity. And how would I even begin to make that preposterous city train thing profitable?
6: Oh, a good businessman doesn't look at what he's lost, he looks at what he has left. Down the rabbit hole, Mr. West Stumble deep, deep down to Wonderland The answers you seek are waiting for you there (laughs) So, do we have a deal?
5: Since the dawn of time All of humanity has been drawn to the unexplained The uncanny The unsolvable Stonehenge The Bermuda Triangle the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, the identity of Jack the Ripper—why do these mysteries haunt and taunt us so? Why do so many of us stay Fake
8: up? Fake Nika had the opinions about all this—opinions with a capital O. This show was, was a huge opportunity. These past three, three years, she'd landed 17 parts, such as party guest number three, in panicked bystander, and blonde murder and victim, 000, and her big breakout and the role, clumsy barista. But now she was co-hosting her own show. Her own bullshit, cheap-ass reality mystery show. Starring Dimitri and fake Nika Stamatis. Am I really supposed to keep calling her fake Nika? She must have an actual name.
1: And I'm Dimitri's big sister, Nika. Together, we solve great mysteries.
5: Oh, I get it. She's in character. Acting is weird. Today we have returned to the city of our childhoods.
1: Our beloved Boston,
5: Massachusetts.
8: Dimitri insisted on the location.
5: We're here to search for another missing man. A would-be philosopher king who walked the aisles of the subway preaching wisdom and reform and revolution. Only to vanish
1: at the very moment of victory.
5: Yes. Today, we begin tracking Professor Paul Montgomery Chelmsworth.
1: The mayor of the Red Line. Before the Red Line became Red Line, and before Red Line had a real mayor.
5: And Chelmsworth provided the justification for shooting here. We will comb Chelmsworth's life and history to settle the question. Was Chelmsworth a tragic hero, whisked away by unseen forces?
1: Or a cowardly fraud, who shattered the promises he made and the dreams he inspired? Soon,
5: the world will know, because... Stamatis and Stamatis are are on the case. case.
8: Fake Nika approved, though. She wanted Dimitri to reconcile with real Nika. He wasn't a bad guy, just kind of a mess right now.
2: Nice. Okay.
3: We got the street level, got the tracking shot down the stairs. Let's hit the sales floor. Everyone set?
2: Okay. Three, two, one. Action!
8: She was determined to get Dimitri the moment he and his sister needed. If she could figure out how to do it without
5: undermining the show.
1: Filene's basement was a fixture of Boston's commercial hub, a destination for decades of happy shoppers.
5: Now reduced to an abandoned, hanger-littered husk.
1: It's a total mess.
5: I think back that way. Yes, that looks like the manager's office. Chelmsworth's office during the campaign. Our first clue surely awaits us inside. Oh. Hello! Uh... I wasn't expecting visitors, but you're... Paul Montgomery. Salutations. Paul Montgomery.
2: That's right. Chelmsworth. My reputation precedes me. (laughs) How flattering.
5: But you're... you're just right here. I am. Don't stop. Work with it. But he's right here, sitting at his desk. Uh, well... yes? Yes. We planned a five-part series. He's been missing for over a year, and nobody thought to look in his chair? Not to me, Dimitri. Talk to Chelmsworth. Stay in the moment. I haven't been here the entire time. Just the past few weeks. But, so, that's it? You went away, you came back, mystery solved? Well, yes. Though, with something of an inspirational voyage between those two endpoints. An inspirational voyage. You had an inspirational voyage. I did. I did. I cut off all contact with my life back home and went out to see the world.
2: I traveled the oceans for a while, subsisted on what fish I could catch, moored to the cast-off detritus of civilization. I was detoured by an unrelated adventure, which led me to a person who's been missing for many years. It was quite transformative, and crystallized my conviction to return, to rejuvenate my relationships with the
5: people I hold most dear. And and have you done that? Done which? Rejuvenated your relationships.
2: Not not as of yet. I haven't quite found the suitable circumstances. Oh, I'd be delighted to offer an interview if you'd like, regale you with the entire tale.
1: And that was the moment. Dimitri, having found the mayor, stood on the brink of repeating history. What? His history? Dimitri is a man who vanishes, who goes off into who-the-fuck-knows-all-where, and nobody sees him for months. Whoa! Network! But fix it in post. Just stick with me here. That's what he's about to do. We could see it. Dimitri practically quivered with the need to manifest a puff of smoke to disappear into. Oh. And that's what he did. Okay. He vanished into the urban labyrinth, pursuing his true quest. We sought a missing man, with hardly an inkling that his return would spark another disappearance. I'm Nikos Dematis, and this is Inexplicable Riddles, The Hunt for Dimitri. Okay? We begin our journey with a solved mystery. The elusive Professor Paul Montgomery Chelmsworth in an exclusive interview.
6: Oh. Uh, okay. Should I just keep rolling?
1: You should definitely keep rolling.
3: Pawn to e4. Pawn to e5. Pawn to f4. e5 pawn takes pawn f4. Bishop to c4. Queen to h4. Check. Hm. <laughs> Cheeky. King to f1. Pawn to b5. Bishop to b5. Knight to f6. Oh? Well then. Knight to f3 queen to h6 hmm pawn to d3 knight to h5 knight to h4 queen to g5 aggressive knight to f5 pawn to c6 pawn to g5 knight to f6 rook to g1 pawn takes bishop c to b5 pawn to h4 queen to g6 pawn to h5 queen to g5 queen to f3 how are you Knight to G8. Bishop takes pawn. F4. Queen to F6. Hmm. Knight to C3. Bishop to C5. Knight to D5. Queen to B2. Bishop to B6. Bishop takes rook G1. Are you sure that's wise? What is happening to you, Michael? Queen takes rook A1. a1. Check. Check. King to E2. Knight Knight to to a6, A6. knight takes pawn g7, check. King King to g8, G8. and queen to f6. Knight Knight takes queen f6, F6. and bishop to e7, checkmate. How do you keep
8: anticipating exactly what I'm- It's like
3: a swimming pool, and every drop of water is absorbed instantly. A thought, an experience, a feeling. If it's connected to another drop, then I'm connected to it. To you. Ripples on the surface of the water like... Michael, Michael. I think think you need need to put down down the ball. ball, But there's so much here. So much to see. You were so good, Leon. All of these feelings and thoughts for me. Even the concern you have now. They're all so real. And pure. And genuine. (laughs) Even your thoughts and feelings are organized in such a meticulous way. I don't think this is good for you. Does it work for you? Can you read me like I can read you? No. You don't know how this feels. I don't, it's true, but... I'm guessing you can sense what your behavior right now is reminding me. Pulling me out of the bar? In college. Other times, too. Caring for me. But I'm beyond that now, and I get to experience it here. From a completely different point of view. A better point of view. Not out of shame or guilt or any kind of pathetic remorse. But from a point of pride and love and compassion and... But that's not meant for you to feel. It's a manipulation. Those are my feelings. Don't you see the value in this? No. We've never been closer. We are literally arguing right now. Imagine, if you could experience this for everyone... In the world. That's not how life should work. Knowing how everyone thinks, feeling their feelings all of the time. Put down the ball. Don't deny the appeal of that, Leon. I can feel it in here. One of the molecules of water connected to billions. You like that idea. One of your biggest frustrations in life was how unorganized everything was. And, and, not just everything, but everyone including me. So imagine if we could all be like you. I and don't want everyone to be like me. If everyone were like me, I wouldn't be me. But if we could all share this. No. But I know so much more now. There are things you don't I know want so no. much more. I know. Is that so what it takes? Much Do more. I need to show you everything? No, so much more I know. So much more. I know so much more. I'll show you so much more. I know 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 so much more.
7: Have you ever felt like an exile or been banned from something?
6: No, no, not really. No, no, no.
0: Yes, when I was younger.
7: Do you want to talk about it?
0: It was back during my first three years at school. The children back there were not really happy that I was one out of two who would actually go to the library and actually spend time in there. When I would sit down at uh, lunch tables, there were a few people who I can still remember their names. They would, like, actually physically get up and move to a different table. And everyone noticed, but nobody ever said anything.
5: I think I kind of self-imposed that on myself during high school and through school in general. It was easier, a lot less drama.
0: I was briefly a computer science major, and uh, there was an anonymous message board in the department, and the you know, anonymous rape threats and stuff were pretty gross and definitely made me feel like I didn't belong in the department.
5: I've felt isolated in places that I'm not out and getting misgendered a
4: lot because then I feel mostly, like, invisible or shut out. As being a woman and being a woman of color, like, I do feel kind of, like, excluded from things that I feel like I should be included in. So there there was six of us that were from Memphis. And out of that six, only one of us knew our heritage. The rest of us were, you know, um, descendants of slaves, so we don't really have those records. We were in a school here in the Northeast where most people here know where they're from. Most people here are first generation. They would ask us what what we were or where we're from or where our parents are from, and the only answer we could give was, I don't know. Uh, Not knowing where you come from kind of exiles you from the rest of the black community because you should know.
5: When I was, like, around middle school, I felt like I'd done something wrong and I was never forgiven for, for that for a long period of time.
8: Mallory missed her critter friends. She'd been in the hospital for weeks with nobody to talk to except other people. But now she was out, discharged, released back into the wild. They said to have someone drive her home... Like, she even knew anyone with a car. Who would she call? Pazito, who she hadn't seen in months? Raymo in San Bernardino? Three thousand miles away? Stupid fucking Jojo? No way. Her mom?
0: Hospital called her. And in three weeks? Not so much as a... Uh,
8: not so much as a hope your skin grafts don't itch like inflamed back herpes greeting card.
0: Not so much as a hope your skin grafts don't... don't itch too bad greeting card.
8: Which was a relief. To tell the bullseye fucking truth.
0: Which is... fine.
8: Nah. She'd get herself home and back to work, same as she always did. On her own, two size 7 shit-kickers. Shit-kickers. Oh, her shoes. Her feet. Okay. But out on the sidewalk, she wavered, looking down the long path to the subway. She could call
7: someone. Here's my number. Not for the news. Not for an interview. That's my personal number. For if you need anything... If I can help. She had called him
8: once, actually. Someone had to take care of her friends, keep them in chow and water. Chucko was there for it. He fed her chinchilla, her mice, her parakeets, her koi, even texted photos of each one in case she was lonely. And that was great. But that was enough. She walked herself down to the green line, inbound. She walked to the north end, found the food truck, shut down, no sign of customers. She wasn't surprised. When she'd called into work, the phone just rang few days later, the line had been as dead as a... Dead as a... Come on, Mallory. You can find it.
0: Well, just dead. That's all.
8: (sighs) She couldn't even come up with a good simile. It was just as well she had no one to talk to. The truck didn't even smell that much like pot. But being in here made her think of that guy. Extinction event? Except his name was Dipshit now. Which, yeah, that was about right. He'd confessed... She'd seen him on the news, reported by good old Chucko. She'd never seen Chuck look angry on the news before. And not just about the ruined wedding. Chuck said Mallory's name, called her a hero. She imagined dipshit watching the report in his cell. Dipshit with his moral pronouncements about doing no harm to any living thing. Would her injuries make him squirm? Would he cry? Like crying changed anything, anyway. He was still the reason Mallory had bandages across her whole back. I was supposed to be taking serious pain meds, which she'd refused. I mean, duh. No way was she risking executive-style addiction BS just to deal with pain. But, Nika. She and Dipshit were always trading those files. Like, what was that about? Nika was never mentioned, and she sure seemed like too much of a bum... bumblefuck? Ugh. To pull off such a complicated plan. But where was she? Why was she gone? But, whatever. There was nothing here. She should just go home. Except, Mallory didn't want to go home. Home was comfortable, and all her friends were there. All the things that ought to make her feel like herself again. All the things that ought to make her feel better. But, she didn't feel like feeling better. She walked back up toward the common, where she could sneak into the old abandoned Tremont Street tunnel, where she could be alone, in discomfort. It was locked, but Mallory could always get where she wanted to be, especially where there was urban wildlife to meet. So into the tunnel she slipped, and regretted it. There was too much light, too many tools and machines, signs of human activity, fresh sheetrock, new flooring.
5: It's not like I remember it.
0: Whoa, who's that?
5: Dimitri. Dimitri.
0: You're not on the work crew?
5: This used to be one of my spots. My sister and I would come down here looking for treasure.
0: Most people just come down here to get high.
5: Huh. I'd be lying if I said we never did, but it wasn't about that. Not for me, anyway. I liked seeing places most people never saw. The things people didn't know they'd lost.
0: If I hang out over here, are you going to get all pervy, dumb, head, butt?
5: This is hardly the place for romance.
0: Nobody said shit about romance.
5: Call him something.
8: Insult him. He can take it. Just get him curious.
0: Scent wipe?
5: Scent wipe? I'm just here to sulk. That's it.
0: Good, because don't think I won't fuck up your shit. I could totally fuck up your shit.
5: Who couldn't?
0: Well, all right then.
5: Come on, Dimitri. Ask. Scent wipe?
0: You know, scent wipes.
5: Yeah. No, not getting it.
0: They're like moist towelettes, but for your cooch... With perfume, so your business can smell like a butterfly farting sugar cookies. Except that shit's totally nasty for the whole bacterial biome we got going on. So unless you're looking to start baking some actual bread up in there, you gotta just say no to that feminine odor-shaming bullshit.
5: Okay, getting better. And that's what you called me, a scent wipe.
0: Well, you're not big enough to be a douchebag. Ah. (laughs)
5: Okay.
8: Now, just keep talking. Dimitri,
5: please. So, uh, what are you down here for?
0: Same as you. Poetic
5: synchronicity.
0: Sure, dude. That.
5: What's with all the construction?
0: They're building gallery space for Redline. A nice dank little hole to stick some art in. It's on hold, though, while they clean up... to clean up after all the shit that went down. But they'll be back.
5: Redline. It's stunning, isn't it? A modern marvel, really. A new wonder of the world.
0: It's cool. I go to school there.
5: Yeah? What are you studying?
0: Veterinary medicine.
5: Wow. That's... Impressive. I know. I skipped that bit. College, I mean. They don't really have schools for what I want it to be.
0: I'm not taking that bait, dude. Bait? I don't give a shit what mysterious thing you want it to be. Not gonna ask.
5: Guess I won't be able to camp out down here.
0: Wish I could help you.
8: You can.
5: It's fine. I'm used to sleeping rough.
8: Mallory, you can help him. You've got something you can give him.
0: Actually, maybe I've got something I can give you. Here.
5: There you go. Thank you. A car key? You're giving me your car?
0: Truck, actually. Go up to North End. Big Olive Garden food truck. Has go-home interloper spray painted on the side. But in Italian. Via casa Interlocutori," Which isn't even right. "Interlocutori" means conversationalists. They obviously used Google Translate. But it's clear what they meant. Anyway, truck's there.
5: Wow. If there's anything I can do in return, I guess you'll know where to find me.
0: Sure thing. Listen, I'm going to take off. I got shit to do and sulking in a tunnel won't get it done.
5: That's a point. Hey, I didn't get your name.
0: Mallory. Just Mallory. It's a mononym like Bjork.
5: Got it. Thank you for the truck, mononym Mallory.
0: Nah, it's nothing. Not even mine. Catch you later, scent wipe. Unless I don't.
1: Hello. I'm Nikas Tomatis, investigator extraordinaire. Earlier today, my brother Dimitri and I set out to solve the month's old mystery of the absentee mayor of Redline. In a stunning turn of events, it took only half a day, we found Professor Paul Montgomery Chelmsworth. And in an Impossible Riddles exclusive, Professor Chelmsworth is here now to reveal the truth behind his disappearance. Hello, Professor. Thank you for agreeing to speak to our audience.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure, Mr. Stamatis. I certainly feel I owe the people of Redline an accounting of my activities, and I'm glad to have this opportunity.
1: Why don't we get right to the critical moment? The night that tens of thousands of Redline citizens turned out to support your referendum, only to be tossed over without explanation. So, what the hell, man? Well,
2: you see, I was having trouble writing my victory speech. I'd been working away at it night and day for the better part of 36 hours— Acknowledging defeat is easy, you see, but victory, victory was so outlandish an occurrence that it hardly seemed worth planning for. Whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. Are you admitting that you had hoped to lose?
2: No, not at all. I just never expected to win. And it took only the briefest of self-reflection to realize that I was little more than a charismatic catalyst, an instrument of innovation, but not suited to the day-to-day needs of so complex an organism as a newborn city.
1: You'd have been bored.
2: I'm not sure you're entirely taking the nuance of my... Next question. Where'd you go? Oh, okay. So I found an abandoned boat and set out to Spectacle Island. I thought the mood demanded some introspective isolation. A hermitage in the harbor, a bit of deliberate living. I moored there for the next few months, living off whatever fish I could catch.
1: You pulled a Walden pond, but your ego demanded a bigger pond. Got it. So? Did any magical epiphanies hit you during your self-indulgent pity party on Walden Garbage Dump?
2: Uh, n- not right away, but then I found a message in a bottle. The old standard of impossible communication. A corked bottle washing in upon the waves. From a woman named... <laughs> this is funny. What? Your name is Nika.
1: Y- yes?
2: Well, that's the same as the person who tossed this bottle into the sea. Nika. And it's addressed to her brother, Dimitri.
1: You're joking. Right you're making this up?
2: No, not at all. In fact, I have it right here.
1: That's... I mean, what the hell, man? He was right here, like ten minutes ago. You were just talking to him. You could have just handed in this message from his sister. Really?
2: How serendipitous. But couldn't you just tell him the message? You're Nika, aren't you?
1: No, I mean... Yes, but also no, it's complicated. Look, just give me that. I'll give it to him. Oh, wonderful!
2: I've accomplished something. Sure
1: you did. Okay, moving on. You find a note in a bottle. Then what?
2: Then I realized it was time to return home. But first I went to Ohio.
1: Okay, I'll bite. Why did you go to Ohio?
2: Oh, uh, I'm not sure I'd like to talk about that. I had some personal business to attend to. An outstanding debt that required repayment. But now I'm here, back in my old Burg, bountiful Boston, the home of my heart.
1: No, 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 no. Bring it back to Ohio there, buddy. Oh, I'm sure that's not... Ohio. Spill it.
2: Oh, I... I suppose, if I must. Well, you might know that some years ago I was engaged to be married. Right,
1: to Claudia Wellington.
2: I was hoping to keep her anonymous.
1: We'll be reaching out to her for comment. She gets to decide whether she's part of this or not.
2: Oh, Of course.
1: This was all 19 years ago. What made you think she'd want to see you now?
2: Well, our relationship came to a rather ambiguous resolution. I never really gave her an explanation for my reasons for,
1: you know... Abandoning her at the altar?
2: Yes, that. So I thought it was time I finally gave her the closure she deserved.
1: (sighs) Closure's bullshit. It's a tool for manipulating people into talking to you past the point when they're done talking to you. Nineteen years later, I doubt she was still waiting on a relationship post-mortem.
2: Yes, well, she said something rather similar.
1: And that was this so-called debt you had to repay? Closure, that's it? That was... part of it. Any other part? There is some...
2: money that I've been setting aside. You
1: tried to pay her off? Now? For what? It wasn't for
2: her, exactly. It's... it's a college fund.
1: Oh... Oh, damn, dude.
2: I didn't know at the time. It's still possible that he's not mine. He was three before I even learned of his birth. Claudia has never confirmed my assumptions. Whenever I've asked, she's told me it's not my concern.
1: Yeah, man. I take that as confirmation and kiss-off rolled into one.
2: Yes, I agree with that interpretation. Which is why I've continued setting this money aside. Have you met him? No. He wasn't there when I visited. Apparently... He had left for Boston, hoping to find me around the same time I left for Ohio. A rather gift-of-the-Magi nope, sort of I'm situation. I'm absolutely
1: not down for romanticizing this.
2: Yes, that's fair, I suppose. Anyway, after that, I came home. I'm really pleased to be back. Boston is the bomb for my blues. And of course, I am eager to see the municipal marvel of Redline. I listen to it rumbling past my office several times each hour, and it fills me with joy every time.
1: You haven't even gone down into the city yet?
2: Well, of course, my first step into Redline will be an emotional entrance, an exceptional event, an elevating experience. It must be
1: timed just so. You really lean on that alliteration thing when you're trying to deflect, don't you?
2: And, of course, the first resident of Redline I am giddy to greet is the woman who truly ushered in this underground urbanization, the most magnificent mayor of Redline, the extraordinary Charlotte Linzer Coolidge.
1: Yeah, I bet she's looking forward to seeing you again.
7: Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Andreason, with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. Special thank you to our Greater Bostonian Level Patron Bridge for all that you do to support our show. If you're interested in becoming a patron too, please visit patreon.com/greaterboston. You can follow Greater Boston on Twitter at ingreaterboston or on Tumblr at greaterblogston.tumblr.com. Follow us there for news, updates, and behind-the-scenes chats about the show. This episode featured Braden Lamb as Leon Stamatis, Mike Linden as Oliver West. Rick Zeef as Sales, James Johnson as Dimitri Stamatis, Kristen Di Mercurio as Fake Nika, Kenny Garcia as Spencer Green, James Oliva as Michael Tate, Joanna Bodnick as Mallory, Jeff Vandriesen as Chuck Octagon, and James Capobianco as Professor Paul Montgomery Chelmsworth. Interviews with real Greater Boston residents. Transcripts are available at greaterbostonshow.com. Charlie on the MTA by Emily Peterson and Dirk Tede. Archibald McDonald of Kepik by Dirk Tede. Crested Hens by Dirk Tede. Drums by Jim Johansson.
4: I love that I have a Rolodex, and I'm going to pronounce it like that: Rolodex. Rolodex. <laughs> a candy.
5: It's actually just
7: a, a Rolodex of candy.
4: Exactly. It is to keep my blood sugar elevated.
7: <laughs> Oliver's diabetic.
4: <laughs> well, he is now. <laughs> after his Rolodex. After guys. my after I finished my Rolodex. An inspirational
5: voyage. You had an
4: inspirational voyage.
5: I did. Blah bitty, blah blah blah. Yeah, I'm gonna cut you this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, you way. Know, that's, that's pretty authentic for the mayor anyway. <laughs> <laughs> blah 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 blah. Blah <laughs> p- p- blah p- blah p- blah p- blah to, <laughs> blah blah blah. We're
7: gonna to cut to Dimitri saying, Why
0: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
8: Space Podity,
0: an actual play D&D Spelljammer podcast. In Space Podity, four adventurers visit the worlds and vex the GMs of other actual play shows. Keep listening for a sneak peek and please subscribe so you don't miss the first episodes set in the campaign of the long-running Dungeons & Dragons podcast.
2: Acting Captain's Log, we've crashed our flying birdbath mansion, long story. The party of groundling adventurers on board is kind and heroic, but untrusting, and is staring at me. It consists of a traumatized minotaur... a spooky asimar child i'm an adult an now. adult asimar child whom i suspect to be enthralled by a hidden power and the most headstrong elf i have ever met and that includes rascal gar the cataclysmically reckless from the former orogenon zed sounds fun also the mansion's kitchens are out of
0: ale
5: how am i gonna function
8: space Pottery. find us wherever your podcasts are